Hello and welcome to the My VA Dayton podcast coming to you from Dayton, Ohio. This is the show where we talk with veterans in the Western Ohio region to share their stories and share what's happening at the Dayton VA Medical Center. I'm Scott Lease, your host with co-host Greg Tucker. We have with us today a U.S. Navy veteran, Keith Carr. He served as Chief Petty Officer Seabees, the U.S. Naval Construction Force, during his service to our nation, building and supporting missions throughout the world. Upon retiring, Keith returned to Ohio where he began working for the Ohio Department of Transportation as a highway technician. While there, he was able to obtain his Bachelor's of Science in Applied Management from Ohio University. In 2022, he was fortunate enough to be offered the position of Executive Director, Veteran Service Officer for Preble County. Keith is also working on earning his master's degree from Ohio University and is scheduled to graduate this May. Welcome to the show, Keith. We're glad to have you here today. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we get to know a little bit more about you, we're going to put you to the test. Great. See how well I study. That's right. There's no study involved here whatsoever. It's time to play Don't Tell Me, I Think I Know That. This is the game where we put our guests to the test of their knowledge of military trivia. It's also a game where our listeners can play along to see if their minds are mired in mounds of military minutia as ours are. Are you ready to take the challenge? As ready as I'm going to be. I think you're more than ready. So here's your first question. When were the Seabees formed? Would it be A, World War II, B, the Spanish-American War, C, the American Revolution, or D, the War of 1812? That one's an easy one. That would be A, the World War II. That is correct. That's right. On 28 December 1941, Admiral Morial requested authority to commission three naval construction battalions. His request was approved on 5 January 1942 by Admiral Nimitz. The first HQ construction company was used to commission the first naval construction detachment, which was assigned to Operation Bobcat. They were sent to Bora Bora and are known in CB history as the Bobcats. Now, did you know all that? Uh... I didn't know all of it. I knew about uh, Admiral Morale and stuff. Yeah. So here's your second question. Prior to acquiring the name CB short of Construction Battalion, what were they called? Would it be A, Plank Holders, D, Budocks, C, Land Crews, or D, Bobcats? B, the Boondocks. That's right. In 1930s, Bureau of Yards and Docks, or Boo Docks, began providing for Navy Construction Battalions, or Seabees, in contingency war plans. In 1941, the Navy and Boo Docks decided to improve project oversight of civilian contractors by creating headquarters construction companies. These companies have uh, two officers and 99 enlisted, but would not actually do any real construction themselves. On October 31, 1941, Rear Admiral Chester Nimitz, chief of the Bureau of Navy Navigation, 
authorized the formation of the first headquarters construction company. Recruiting began in November, while boot training began 7 December 1941 at Naval Station Newport. Now, here's your third and final question. What does the Latin phrase contramis batias mean? Would it be A, a rare dish served raw, B, water buffalo, C, we build, we fight, can do, or D, pass the keg, it's liberty time? Oh, that's, you know, if only it meant D, but no, it's C, we build, we fight, can do. That's correct. The NFC adopted the motto, Can Do, as the force believed it could do anything it was tasked with. The CBs boasted of this by uh, actually posting a sign reading, The difficult we can do now, the impossible takes a little longer. The CBs' uh, integrity and fortitude have become a legend in naval service, often described as phenomenal. So, Greg, what is Keith won for playing our game today? For answering all those questions correctly, we have a set of four Dayton VA Industrial Strength Chip Clips designed by NASA's aerospace engineers to keep your chips crisp on your next stellar space journey or wherever you may be traveling in the near future. All compliments of the Dayton VA. So we're going to take a quick break now. When we come back, we'll hear more from Keith about his military service and civilian career. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to bear true faith and allegiance. To help you when you're in need. To be considerate and caring, courageous and strong. To tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth for better for worse in sickness and in health to love and cherish to be your loving faithful friend partner child parent neighbor one of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans learn how you can help a veteran experiencing mental health challenges at maketheconnection.net and we're back with U.S. Navy veteran Keith Carr, also a former CB. So, Keith, if you could, uh, start off, are you a native of Ohio? I am not. I'm actually from just east of Pence, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a little place called Indiana, Pennsylvania. Indiana, Pennsylvania, two states at once there. Okay. Uh, so how did you end up in Ohio? Uh, married married a, a woman from Ohio, and we're... We moved back here after I retired. Retired from the military? Yes. How do you like Ohio? <laughs> so far, it's been treating me really well. I, I don't have any complaints. Yeah. Okay. I've been able to raise my daughter in, in a good school and, and take advantage of Wright Pad Air Force Base and the Dayton VA. And so it's worked out really well for me. Ohio is the heart of it all. I'm going to go ahead and segue to your military career. Uh, Tell us about why the Navy? Well, whenever I was looking at enlisting, actually, I had no intentions of joining the military, and all the active duty recruiters kept wanting to put me in as undesignated, and that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And the Navy recruiter uh, asked me if I'd ever thought about the reserves, and 
he recommended I talk to the reserve recruiter and the, the reserve recruiter showed up in his OD greens. He was a Vietnam era CB and him and I started talking and next thing you know, I enlisted in the reserves as a CB. And then I, I enjoyed whenever I went to boot camp and my A school and everything, I, I really enjoyed it and decided that I'd rather be on active duty than, than doing the reserves. So it took about nine months after I came back from my A school. I did, did nine weekend drills and a two week training. And then I got on active duty in, in February of 1995. And so, so tell, tell us this, if you didn't have any interest in joining the military, how did you end up talking to recruiter to begin with? I had some friends that were in the army and the, the college in my hometown had a army ROTC program. So they were trying to push, push me towards the army and I wanted to try something different. So, so whenever the, I found out about the CBs, that was, that was it. That's where I wanted to be. So the Navy recruiter got you first and he was a CB. What did he tell you about the CBs that, uh, that piqued your interest? Yeah. The, the fact that they were more on the ground and, the, the construction side. I had an interest in, in mechanics and everything. So whenever I found out I could, could be a construction mechanic and, and everything, that just pretty much sold me as, a, as an 18-year-old trying to figure out what I wanted to do whenever I grew up. Sure. And uh, while you were in the service, uh, what were some of the bases you were stationed at? Uh, I was... I started out stationed in Port Wyneme, California, which is just north of LA. I was in NMCB 40 and got to deploy to Guam and Rota, Spain. And then from there I transferred to Little Creek Amphibious Base and then to uh, Dam Neck base there in, in Virginia Beach. Then I went to Yorktown Weapons Station and then back to Little Creek. So all these different deployments that you were on as a CB, did, did you actually partake in any, any major construction projects or, or any uh, exciting uh, developments for, for the Department of Defense and the Department of Navy? Uh, well, I was... Uh, I didn't do a whole lot of construction as far because being a mechanic, I just made sure the equipment was running and everything. But I was stationed with uh, Special Warfare for a few years. And during that time, I was deploying to Iraq and Afghanistan with those guys. So we were doing more, uh, making sure their equipment was up and running and building their uh, different little operating bases and stuff. Right. And what kind of uh, equipment were you maintaining then? With those guys, it was more Humvees, Toyotas, uh, some construction as far as forklifts and, and things like that. And then I also got to work on some 40-foot offshore race boats that they had. If I add here, Keith, if you can elaborate a little bit for us to our listeners who may not know exactly the functions of a CB. Could you clarify that a little bit more 
of what a CB is tasked with. I know it's the can-do spirit and everything, but for any young person or for someone who may not exactly know what a Navy CB does. All right. So the, the CBs are the Navy's construction force, and a lot of the, the battalion duties are to maintain bases or build up bases, maintain airstrips and uh, hospitals and things like that. But the other thing that they do is uh, defend them. So that's where the we build, we fight comes from, because we're not only uh, building the, these things, but we're also uh, a defensive organization to protect them once they're built. So there's not uh, seven different jobs that the CBs have, uh, whether it's construction mechanic like I was, they have heavy equipment operators, they have builders, steel workers, utilitiesmen, uh, construction electricians, and engineering aides. So it's a, it's a full construction force. Uh, the officers are all civil engineers. Uh, so there's that. But we also get, get assigned out to, to different organizations as well. Like I was assigned with the Explosive Ordnance Disposal Unit to maintain their equipment and keep them moving. Like I said, I was assigned with the Special Warfare Unit to, to make sure their equipment kept them running so they could go do their job. And once they were done, they could get back. And I also, another duty station I had was with the Maritime Civil Affairs. So in that role, I went to, to Kenya and I was stationed in the Horn of Africa, but mainly I was in Kenya working with the State Department, Department of Defense, and local officials. And the goal there was to, to win the hearts and minds of the Kenyan people and show them that the, the U.S. military wasn't a, an occupying force. So we were there to help. So in other words, the, the CBs also have humanitarian purposes also that Correct. they may be called to do that type of mission as well. Correct. So, Keith, tell us, if you would, uh, what was your, probably your most memorable experience while on active duty? Oh, there's so many. Um, probably the first time I deployed the contingency operation, I was in Bosnia at the end of the one year. They We were uh, sent from Rota, Spain, into Bosnia to help tear down some bases, and while we were there, we also uh, got the order to help build up some because the, the, the operation was going to last longer than a year. So we, we were helping tear down some, but we were also moving, moving some of that equipment to different bases. That was, that was a different experience. And I was 21 years old at the time, so it was really a, an eye-opening event. So during the course of your career, you've seen a lot of things right there. You had a lot of experiences. So I did. all those experiences, Keith, once you reached retirement and you retired from the Navy, you came back to Ohio and you started working for the state and all of your skills, they were transferred over to your new position. Tell us about that. Uh. So whenever I got out, I had always joked that I was, if nothing else, I could always get out and plow snow. <laughs> okay. So, 
so my plan whenever I retired was to get out, get to Ohio State or the Ohio State to get a forestry degree so I could just be out in the woods and, and enjoy nature. But in the meantime, I got a little bored, so I started applying for jobs. And uh, Ohio Department of Transportation contacted me and, and offered me a position as a highway technician out working on the, the interstate and plowing snow and, and all the wonderful things that they do, which my skills transferred over. So I, I took that position and, and put college on the back burner for a little bit. And then once I, I got into a routine of working at ODOT, I actually went back to school at Ohio University and earned a bachelor's degree in applied management. All right. One thing that Ohio listeners got to be respectful of, and that is how the roads are here in Ohio. Yeah. Keith, we're going to go into, a, we're going to take a break right now. And then once we come back, we're going to go into what you're doing right now as far as helping veterans. So don't go anywhere. Right. We'll be right back. I was in the military. I didn't know that when I left, I was eligible for health care through the VA. I thought you had to be disabled or been wounded. Another vet told me I should check it out. Now, I have the care I need at the Dayton VA. Don't wait another day to see how the VA may help you. I'm a vet, and it's my VA. Make it your VA today. Call 937-268-6511, extension 2159, to enroll. Or visit dayton.va.gov. And we're back with Navy veteran Keith Carr. Hey, Keith, tell us, uh, you know, you worked for the Ohio Department of Transportation for a while. Uh, why, why did you leave them? Uh, and, and then what did you do af after uh, working for the Department of Transportation? All right. So after I got my degree from Ohio University, I was looking for a new challenge. And due to some of my disabilities that are service-connected, being out on the interstate in the freezing cold, trying to patch potholes and whatnot, my, my body didn't move as fast as what my head thought it could. So I started looking for a position that I could be indoors. So I was offered a position with Social Security Administration down in Middletown. And I took that because I really didn't know anything about what the Social Security Administration did other than give out little cards that has a number on it. And everybody is always wanting a number. So so I went down and, and I worked for them for a year and I found out that Montgomery County was looking for a veteran service officer. And did you know so, what a what a veteran service officer was at that time? I, I did. I had talked to a couple and so I had an idea as to what they did. I didn't know how they did everything, but I, I knew what they did. And so I applied for that position and was fortunate enough to be selected and and start a, a career as a veteran service officer there in Montgomery County, which was really beneficial to me. One, because I, I also have a service dog. And so working at, at ODOT on the highway wasn't really beneficial with having a service dog. And, and being in Middletown was, wasn't bad, but I didn't feel like I was I was really moving up or doing doing stuff that that I wanted to do. So having a, a position that I got to see veterans every day and work with veterans really 
was my passion. Right, right. Um, and uh, so as, as you perform that service now, um, how many veterans uh, come to you looking for information about the PACT Act? Oh, I've, I've had a lot. Um, well, about a year ago, I actually moved over. I'm now the executive director and the veteran service officer for Preble County. So I have about 3,000 veterans out here in the county that I, I try to help out whenever they call or come in. So I get a lot of calls about the PACT Act. I've probably filed close to 50 service claims for conditions related to, to the PACT Act. A couple of them have actually went through and, and been awarded, which I always enjoy calling calling the veterans and, and letting them know what's going on with their claims. And once they're awarded, you know, letting them know all the benefits that they, they're now eligible for. Right. Absolutely. Well, we're we're very uh, thrilled to tell people about the PACT Act. You know, that, that legislation just went into effect this last fall. And uh, how many veterans, you know, we're, we're, they're, they're saying that it's this PACT Act is going to affect approximately 6 million veterans uh, and actually increase uh, not just VHA health care, which is what we're here usually talking about, but also uh, all the VA benefits, you know, that there's also pension and survivor benefits and some other things. So uh, really appreciate all that you're doing to help educate veterans in Preble County and beyond about the PACT Act and helping them uh, navigate the process of uh, filing a claim through uh, Veterans Benefit uh, Administration and hopefully going on to enroll with uh, Veterans Health uh, Administration Healthcare. So uh, tell us if you could, uh, for veterans in Preble County um, who may not be aware of uh, where your office is and what you can do to assist them, uh, what would you tell them? Uh, that, you know, we're right on the, the main drag in Eaton at uh, 1322 North Barron Street. And we do a, do a lot. We do more than just help with VA claims. We also provide emergency financial assistance. We also have a dental program for people that, uh, you know, it's income-based. Try to, we've worked with some of the local or four out of five of the local dentists here to, to set up that program. We also provide transportation to VA appointments and, and uh, just we also have worked with uh, other county agencies here as, as well as some of the civilian to, to find resources. So try to be more than just the things that we do. We also try to help, help veterans find other resources that are available here in the community. Right. And for those veterans who are out there in that area, um, you know, we, we talk about the Dayton VA. We've got the campus right here in Dayton, but some people may not know that we also have four community-based outpatient clinics, one of them being in Richmond near Preble County. Uh, and I'm sure that you have uh, a very good working relationships with the folks out at the, at the Richmond Seabock as well, right? We do. And we also have some with Middletown because Preble County goes down uh, towards Butler County as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, yes, yeah. yes. And so um, do you also not help provide transportation uh, for, for those veterans in, in that area? We do. We, we provide transportation 
to both of those CBOX as well as to the Dayton VA. Right. Okay. Okay, Keith, if you could please share with us your experience for being a patient of the uh, Dayton VA. How did you come about becoming a patient at the uh, Dayton VA? Yeah, I, so I, I did a before discharge claim whenever I was getting out. So I actually filed my claim in Virginia Beach. And then whenever I moved up here, I did all my comp and pension exams there at the Dayton VA. So I was able to walk around and, and see the campus a little bit. And then just over the years, continuously using and, and learning more and more about the Dayton VA and all the the capabilities that there is there. And then being in the role that I'm at, you know, whenever I'm sitting talking to veterans, I'm able to, to picture while, you know, and explain to them where to go, who to talk to, things like that. And the importance of actually using the VA, you know, and the, utilize the the benefits that they've they've earned. So your so. personal experience really transfer over to the veteran that you're helping because you can speak from oh, experience, right? Yeah, w- without a doubt. I mean, that that's one of the the best things is not only being able to tell the veteran that they've been awarded a service connection or a pension, but also be able to explain to them the actual health benefits that they're eligible for and to be able to to tell them how to get to the different departments and and uh, talk you know who to talk to and stuff like that and a lot of times the veteran will actually come back and and sit down with me and and tell me about their experiences and how how nice it was to be able to to walk in and and know where to go and and not be overwhelmed as they they walk in the front door just not knowing what to do or who to see or things like that. So Now, I know you, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry for interrupting you there, but I, I know at the same time where you've uh, helped and you've worked with veterans who have saw the benefits of that and they experienced it for themselves, but I'm quite sure you've probably had some people who were hesitant or a little bit reluctant to, well, why should I go? use the VA, I got insurance, or I don't think I want to go there. What would you tell them? Well, I've, I've had a few clients that, that tried to use the VA years ago, and they had a bad experience and just gave up on it. So now, whenever I, I'm able to talk to them, I can, I can ex- tell them my experience and explain the difference between the way it used to be and the way it is now. And a lot of times they're they're apt or they're willing to give it another shot, and then once they do, they come back and and let me know that you know it, it's so much better than it used to be. It's you know there's now. Do you use the automation using My Healthy Vet? Are you using that? I do, I do. And what has been your experience? Can you, if you were giving a a talk to another veteran about that? portion of the service what would you tell them yeah it, it all depends on the on the veteran because you get some some of my clients are real computer savvy and able to to navigate and use my healthy vet and have no issues with it some others are, are not as computer savvy and they don't want to be absolutely so, you know we, we run across that a lot uh, that 
There, there's a whole range of veterans, uh, not just in age, but in skills as well. Uh, and that while the VA is always moving forward, uh, trying to employ new technologies and new services and making things more readily available to veterans, that not everybody uh, is comfortable with when they walk into the building and, and scanning a QR code to check in t for their appointment or to log into a website to update their uh, prescriptions and order uh, new prescriptions or uh, to do a video appointment. Well, all those um, wonderful technologies are there for those people who really do uh, enjoy using those technologies and find benefit from it. We still are sensitive to the fact that there are a lot of folks who don't have those skill sets and aren't ready to to employ those technologies so we do we do try to accommodate for everyone but at the same time we are trying to always move forward and and provide whatever the best possible care would be for our veterans and you know i i have to actually go back a little bit in our conversation you were talking about how when you left the the military you actually had filed a claim on departing the military and that there are a lot of veterans out there, and I'm sure you run across this as a VSO all the time, that you know there, there are veterans who didn't file that claim when they left the military. They didn't think they needed to. And, and I have to admit that I was one of those because I walked in office, the worst thing I ever got was a paper cut. I didn't have you know, hearing loss or I didn't have any injury from uh, you know, combat or anything of that nature. Uh, and did not file for uh, a disability claim. Uh, so what do you tell those veterans who kind of missed that opportunity? Uh, uh, do, do you go back and explain to them that it's always worth exploring that because you know er everybody who has had some kind of military uh, experience has some eligibility through the VA for um, certainly through the health care uh, portion of it, though you might have to pay um, a copay or, uh, you know, you have to still have to go through the eligibility process. But uh, quite often, almost every military person has some level of eligibility. Do you, do you have that conversation with a lot of folks or, or do you find that a challenge that a lot of folks aren't even aware of that? Yeah, let them know that, hey, you know, I might not be able to do anything for you, but at least come in and let, let's take a look. Let's explore, you know, like you said, if it's just the, the health care side of it. Maybe it's not a service-connected disability or pension, but just getting them enrolled in the VA health care side. And I help them fill out their the forms and, and actually get it over to the enrollment desk there at Dayton VA. And usually within, a, you know, within an hour or so, we've got a response back from the enrollment desk. I, they're, they're phenomenal over there. Right. And they right. really, really help out. So I and can't, can't speak good enough about them. And again, that PACT Act is changing uh, the world for a lot of veterans out there because where they may have been determined to be ineligible before, now they are uh, eligible because they had boots in the ground in certain theaters operation during certain windows and have presumptive conditions or potential for uh, presumptive conditions. And so uh, I, I encourage uh, veterans who, even if you've been turned down before, this is an opportunity for you to go back and reinvestigate, just as Keith is talking about, you know, look at the options and there might be an opportunity for you uh, to qualify again uh, uh, or, or be eligible where you weren't before and start receiving those benefits from the VA, whether it is 
compensation pension or uh, health care, et cetera. So uh, any other words of advice, Keith? Uh, another thing is, you know, for the spouses, with the PACT Act, open up a, a window for some spouses that have been denied in the past. Absolutely. Survivor and, uh, benefits, yes. So survivor benefits. So you can't, for, don't, don't, we don't want to forget about the spouses. You know, I've, I've filed a few uh, spousal claims that the PACT Act has opened up that door for. And the other side is, Ohio, we're very fortunate in Ohio because we're the only state that has a veteran service office in every county. So all 88 counties has their own veteran service office. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's a huge benefit that, you know, I've, I've had veterans from other states call in, you know, call me up, and I can't find a veteran service officer anywhere. And, you know, they, they're having issues. And here I am in Ohio where we're lucky enough to have an office in every county. Absolutely. It is a great it is a great source. It's a great uh, advocacy program for veterans. Hey, we've been talking with Navy veteran Keith Carr. We truly enjoy uh, sharing his story and uh, stories like veterans in the uh, Ohio region. So thanks again for sharing your time with us today, Keith. Hey, I just want to remind all our listeners that the PACT Act legislation signed by President Biden recently went into effect. It is the promise to address comprehensive toxins, which is affecting over 6 million veterans across the nation. We highly encourage everyone to learn more about the PACT Act. You can go to va.gov PACT to learn about all the our areas of operation, all the theaters, all the presumptive conditions that qualify veterans. That website is www.va.gov slash pact. Uh, we really do want everyone to know about this and take that opportunity to register. I was in the military. I didn't know that when I left, I was eligible for health care through the VA. I thought you had to be disabled or been wounded. Another vet told me I should check it out. Now I have the care I need at the Dayton VA. Don't wait another day to see how the VA may help you. I'm a vet and it's my VA. Make it your VA today. Call 937-268-6511, extension 2159 to enroll or visit dayton.va.gov. Once again, we want to thank former CB and Navy veteran Keith Carr for taking time to tell his story and to share his experience with the Dayton VA Medical Center. We want to say thanks again to our special guests for taking time today to share their story. We truly enjoy hearing stories from veterans from across the region and learning more about how they found care through the Dayton VA Medical Center. And as always, we want to thank our listeners for joining us and remind them if they are a veteran and are not enrolled, to enroll with the Veterans Health Administration to receive health care benefits through the Dayton VA Medical Center. It's easy and it doesn't cost a thing. You just need to be a veteran. The simplest way to start enrollment is to call our enrollment and eligibility office at 937-268-6511, extension 4105. They can schedule an appointment for you to come to the Dayton campus or help make an appointment at one of the surrounding community-based outpatient clinics located at Springfield, Richmond, Lima, and Middletown. Again, that number is 937 938-6511, extension 4105. Veterans may also enroll by visiting www.choose.va.gov 
slash health. While there, you can choose from applying online or by phone or by mail. It's just that simple, really. As I said before, it doesn't cost a thing to apply. So what are you waiting for? Call us today. Or if you know of a veteran who is not enrolled, have them call to start taking advantage of this benefit. If you're a veteran, it's your VA. Sign up today. Join us again for another episode of My VA Dayton with the Dayton VA Medical Center. Our episodes drop the 1st and 15th of each month. I'm Scott Lease with your co-host, Greg Tucker. Thanks again for listening to My VA Dayton.